I grew up pretty overweight, always uh, being made fun of, and you, you want to be accepted so badly, and you distance yourself all the time in order to fit in, and eventually you just feel like, okay, what I am is obviously not enough, so you just have to mold yourself and blend into the environment that you're in. And that hurts, of course, it's always hard. Welcome to the shame game. Shame thrives in secrecy, but loses all its power when we bring it to light. This show is all about embracing vulnerability and finding connection through our shared experiences of shame. In each episode, we'll talk with a new guest where we'll dive into their stories and experiences and learn how to break free from shame and love ourselves just that little bit more. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to play the shame game. Hello, everybody. This is Eleni, and I'm so excited today. We have our first guest from Sweden, <laughs> and our, our guest's name is Jonathan Saturnus. He's from Sweden. He's a practicing teacher of authenticity, devotion, and spiritual wisdom. And he's on a soul journey of self-discovery, aren't we all? <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. He's embodying spirit with intention and desire for service to the whole. And welcome, Jonathan. Oh, thank you, Eleni. It's uh, beautiful to be here, truly. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this too. It's going to be yeah. very cool. It's my first podcast ever, so be kind to oh, me. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. Well. Oh, wow, wow. I'm so excited about that. So this all started because I saw a post that you did in a forum and um, the post was about shame and I thought, oh, this is my podcast, The Shame Game. And in The Shame Game, it's all about owning the shame, um, talking about the shame, releasing the shame, then other people can also relate to their shame. And then we realize that once we've released it, that, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed about. So with your particular story, you talked about something that I think most of us can relate to in some shape or form, metaphorically and literally, and that is the shame of body image. So can you tell me, if we just go back in time, that, how did you first learn that you had to look a certain way? Oh, I grew up pretty overweight. So uh, I got my fair dose of uh, signals from reality <laughs> pretty early on that, hello, you should probably be a little bit more pretty or just you should look better in general because, you know, if you want to fit in, that's just how it is. And... I was always a very kind kid. I was always very loving towards everyone. And so when that wasn't enough, I I felt shamed into molding myself and becoming something else. And, you know, you try to fix your hair in a certain way and you try to just blend in and you very quickly lose your sense of self and you don't really know who you are anymore. But at least you have friends, right? And so yeah. at least you're accepted yeah. by the group, but not by, but not by yourself. So you just push yourself away all the time. And there you are. And now you're on the brink of self-destruction. Yep. So tell me, you know, when you said that um, you were not particularly slim, that you were carrying extra weight, 
how did you know that? Like unless somebody tells you that, you know, that you're not matching up in some way, how did you internally know that that's not okay? That it's not okay to be overweight or that it's not okay? According to your perception, yeah. According to your perception at the time that it wasn't okay. Yeah, it was just like subtle subtle bullying all the time, just always being made fun of and... You know, when we went to swim or something in the summer and people were joking and making fun of you, you, you just eventually understood that, okay, let's just keep a t-shirt on. And let's not. Okay. Let's not. Let's keep the t-shirt on. Yeah, let's not show ourselves because uh, it's obviously not appreciated and people are just making fun of you. They're not laughing and they're not having a good time. They're just really shaming you. And it wasn't a... There is a difference between there's a difference between having fun and someone just obviously wanting to be mean to you and as a kid you you see the difference because these kids don't really understand they're seeing different things and they're just projecting their own shame right so if they if they got taught at home that you know you have to be lean you have to look like you can't eat however much you want and this and that and you're telling these kids at an early age that if you're fat, you're not good. Well, it's not it's not a good thing. Then the kids yeah. won't know the difference, right? So when they see you, they're going to make fun of the same shame that they feel yeah. inside. And they overlap yeah. their and pride. How did you yeah. feel? How did you feel, Jonathan, when when that happened back then? Oh, it was uh, it was hard, of course. So, like it is for every kid that's going through anything that is uh, remotely shameful. It's it's just you you want to be accepted so badly and you distance yourself from yourself all the time in order to fit in and eventually you just feel like okay what i am is obviously not enough so you just have to mold yourself and put on greater and greater images to to really be able to blend into the environment that you're in and that hurts mm. of course when everything that you've ever tried to do was from a pure intention everything always was about love right so it's it's always yeah. hard for kids i think yeah just tell me about your culture in terms of sweden in sweden i get this image that you know we've got this image across the world that you know in sweden there's the beautiful people so is there is there a cultural expectation that you look a certain way do you think that's different a little bit even more so than other countries Yes, definitely. I think uh, Sweden is, um, we even have like something called the Jante law, which is, uh, it's all about everything. Everything is, everything is decent. No one is better. No one is worse, but everyone feels better or worse on the inside, but no one is allowed to tell it. So everyone is walking around with a prideful sense of humility, which is not humility at all. It's just arrogance, essentially. And everyone is uh, just pretending to be this mediocre guy, but feeling very superior or inferior on the inside. And no one is willing to show anything. No one is willing to display any emotion. So it's just about really loading up on that status of yours and just showing everyone how badass you are and how unaffected you are by reality. And truly just playing it cool all the time, never showing any sign of affection or 
you know, being in any way, shape or form triggered by life. That's, that's not a good thing. Uh-huh. So what you're saying is that you, it's not in your culture to appear vulnerable. Not at all. It's in your culture to be always poised and always a certain way. But in reality, what's going on on the inside is there's a lot of turbulence because you're not actually able to show who you really are. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Wow. And so tell me about this journey for you. So, you know, you went through this um, phase where you did work on your body. So what did you do and when did you do that? Yeah, well, I got, well, I did this uh, a lot during my teenage years and I crash dieted in just before the summer. I never got any lean or I'd never looked physically appealing, I think, but I, I looked uh, I just, I got slimmer and I lost weight and I was more comfortable around people in the summer. Uh, but at uh, maybe 22, I think, the year after I had my, or the same year as I got my daughter, I was pretty, I was pretty heavily overweight and I was uh, about 125 kilos, which would be about 280 pounds or something, I think. Uh, and I lost like, I think 45 kilos, uh, in the span of nine months. So I then lost a lot of weight and I got six pack and I had the reverse dad bod, you might say, even after I had a kid. So I, I looked very good. I have a lot of uh, validation from everyone. Everyone was, Oh, how how good you look and everyone told you how how well have you done how well you've done everything and now all of a sudden you got the validation that you always wanted and you see that it didn't mean anything didn't give you yeah, anything right. at all and yeah. when you got that validation it seemed just like you you got a bit disgusted by everything by yourself by by people suddenly seeing you and but they saw you for for all of the reasons that you didn't want to be seen. You, you didn't want to be seen for the reasons that they saw you. And then you just further reinforced your belief that you had to be in a certain way. And eventually I, just t- I got tired of it. And I, and I found my group of people that I was able to just be myself around. And that was my girlfriend and my, my friend at the time who, and we got into conspiracies and stuff and, and yes, they went downhill. You know, I didn't care about my body image. I was like, yeah, sure. I, I never got heavily overweight again, but I, I I didn't really, I didn't care about validation anymore. I didn't care about looking good for others. I just wanted to be myself and I didn't want to suffocate anymore just because people wanted me to be in a certain structure framework. In in reality, I didn't want it. I didn't want this dry masculine taste of reality that we've all been pushed into. Yeah. It's a really interesting journey, Jonathan, and I think that the journey that you, you're you on and where you're at, people are still on the journey of trying to appear to look a certain way. So if we can just take your journey, you know, you were overweight to begin with, um, you felt shame because you didn't look a certain <clears throat> way, and you went up and down and had some unhealthy eating habits, and then you lost 45 kilos and then looked exactly the way society expected you to look, and then you had the validation from everybody. But then you realise, like with anything that the ego wants, 
that the moment you get it, it's not it. And it's such a incredible like revelation, like I've got it. Okay, I've worked really hard, you know, to lose the 45 kilos. You've worked really hard to look a certain way. I know you mentioned a six-pack before and I went through a period of time probably about 14 years ago, I'm 54, but when I was about 40, where I was really like that was my aim to have a six-pack and it just wasn't natural for a woman to have a six-pack. And it, I was working hard. I was training three times a day to, for this elusive six-pack and I got as far as a four-pack <laughs> and, and it was just like, you know, what am I striving for? What am I striving for? But we keep going on that on that hamster wheel where it's like this constant need and this constant desire to look a certain way. So you've mentioned that you now no longer seek external validation. Would you absolutely say that is the case or is there a part of you that still does, Jonathan? Yeah, um, well, I'd say, well, if, if there is anything in me that wants validation, I know that it's a part of me that, still is trying to distance itself from god so i yeah sure there there are still parts of me that is there are subconscious that are still appearing or coming through the cracks sometimes but as soon as they are there i am able to see them and i'm able to allow them through with humility and i can see that you know what we don't have to distance ourselves with pride anymore we can just be who we are and we can let all of these games go because there's no reason for them yeah, yeah, the game of the ego. Personally, what I found was that because uh, I was a big gym goer and then I decided when I had my spiritual awakening, like that's it, like I'm not going to be a slave to the gym anymore and I stopped going for a good 18 months mm. but then I just didn't like the way I was feeling and I didn't like the way that my body was looking and see the ego's back and saying, you see, you see, now look at yourself, are you happy now? Mm. And so I've gone back but what I am – doing now is making sure I'm not back every day mm. so like if I feel like just going for a walk I just go for a walk you know if I feel like sleeping in I sleep in but it really is I don't know I feel like it's a difficult balancing act when you can see the effects on your body and to and like you said to say well I'm not my body so this is taking me away from who I really am and my inner essence and connection to God or source or the universe or whatever you want to call it so it is difficult though, that kind of pulling back, going back, pulling back. It almost seems like this tug of war between the ego and ourselves in terms of what the ego wants because the ego wants you to keep going to the gym. The ego wants you to look good because the ego wants that that feeling of what it feels like when it likes what it sees. Yeah, definitely. And so the, I think the only medicine to that is reclaiming your power through humility. I think we have to see that there is no thing that we can do in reality that is not coming from us as a source. So we need to stop seeing the gym as something that we have to do. And instead we see that, you know what, let's bless ourselves with an experience of gymming. It's truly, it's truly just about reframing our way of doing things. It's, we shouldn't do things by forcing ourselves to be in a certain way or we, we shouldn't go out and there be and be a victim to reality in any way shape or form because we're not so when we go to the gym because we have to and not because we 
truly feel like it's something that we want, then we are giving away all our power to the gym. And the same goes with taking an ice bath or doing anything that is healthy. If we can't see that health is coming from us and not from habit or the thing at hand, then, then we're missing the point again. Then we're missing out that we are the source of power that we're looking for. So the health has to come from us first. We can't do it the other way around because it's not healthy then, right? If you're going to the gym and you're crazy about it, you're obsessing about it, then it's not a very healthy relationship. And all of a sudden you're in a destructive relationship with the gym and you're ruining your body and you're not actually taking care of yourself. So we all know how that works. So we need to see for ourselves with open eyes, without judgment, that if you're still going to par partake in this game of shame, or the shame game, like you're calling it, then you have to always, always cope in order to justify your existence with a bunch of pride. And all of that pride will just hide your shame from you evermore until you can't see it anymore. And then you're just your pride. And then you're just your falsely projected image. And then you've really outdone yourself. You're, you're really far away from yourself and you can't, it's going to be way harder to find back. So it's, it's very important that we see that the only true antidote to shame is humility. It's the only thing. Yeah. And to see that yeah. judgment, judgment about ourselves or anyone else is completely unwarranted because reality is perfect. We cannot judge reality. If we are, if we are even thinking about it to judge reality and saying that it's wrong in any way, we are missing out on what reality is because it's, it isn't wrong for sure. We are never in a wrong reality. We're exactly seeing what we're supposed to. So if we can be humble enough to see that no one knows what's right and wrong, but everyone is trying their best always, we can let go of judgment. And when we do that, and we can free ourselves from shame and we can free others from the same shame that we are projecting onto ourselves. I love this. I love this. And Jonathan, you've, you've said so many big concepts there, but I think we can't just let them go. Yep. <laughs> so you've talked about something which I feel is really important, which is you've talked about shame and people think that the opposite to shame is pride, mm. but it's not. It's very interesting because both of those extremes are actually of the ego. So when you feel shame it means you feel like you are less than someone else and it's the ego that thinks it's less than and not good enough yeah. and then on the other extreme when you feel proud you think that you're better than somebody else mm. and again it's the ego that has this social hierarchy that you are less than or you are better than yeah. our soul doesn't think that we are less than or better than so it's interesting that you say that pride is not and, it's, and, and you hear it everywhere, don't you? When I had my spiritual awakening in July 2021, I hear it everywhere. Mm. I'm so proud of this. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of this. And I just couldn't stand that word anymore. Like I don't want to say I'm proud of anything because then that pride is of, of the ego. Like it's, it's a, a sense that you are better than. Yeah. But what you said, which was key, which I absolutely love, is that the opposite to shame is humility. So talk to me about humility. Mm. 
yeah, um, it's an art, really, right? It's an art of allowing. It's an art of allowing everything to be what it is, and it's about seizing the this mindless <laughs> this mindless attempt to always make reality wrong and to make it right mm. where you see fit. It's um, it's about allowing the the cessation of projection to happen. It's a that's really what humility is to see that. If I can just allow what is right now, reality is perfect. But if I have to force myself onto it and I have to say that this is right and this is wrong, well, then all of a sudden I've made this distortion, haven't I? And we're back to the law of one and we keep making distortions where it's not. And we lose ourselves. We twist reality where we can't twist it. It's just a twisting of ourselves. You're not bending the spoon, you're bending yourself. Just like in the Matrix, it's it's essentially what humility is. It's allowing reality to re reveal itself to you. And that's why it's, in my opinion, one of the most important virtues of the, the holy virtues in the Bible. It's because it allows for patience. It allows for true confidence, really. it's People say that confidence is something that you need in order to get rid of shame. But I say that confidence can't come without humility. If you can't be confident in in the universe or in what we are, if you can't see that our essence is truly always helping itself because it is itself, well, then you're never going to be confident because you're always at war with reality and you're just waiting for reality to beat you. So confidence has to come yeah. from our source. And so that's, to me, humility allows us to bask in all of the virtues. It allows us to truly be with reality and reality is truly divinely perfect so i th i say humility is the way it's the way to god it's the way to whatever that you see is the highest if you can't be humble you're going to be full of shame and pride and good luck with that because it's going to hurt yeah i love that i love that and um i love how you said that reality is the moment that appears in front of you is perfect mm -hmm. And what we try and do is say, no, it's not perfect because that's not what I planned. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not perfect, but it is perfect, this moment. And as, as as much as it hurts or as much as, you know, there is pain there, it is perfect because you can never know what's really intended and what the bigger picture is. And so it is perfect. And humility, I love your ver your definition of humility because it's very different to anything else that I've heard, which is just accept the moment exactly as it is without casting a judgment on it that it's right or that it's wrong. It's, it just is. Mm. Just accept that moment as just is. And so is do you find yourself, Jonathan, that, you know, it, it, this is such an underrated, um, I don't know how to call humility, like a, an underrated skill really that we need to fall back on is humility and so what do you do so that you can you can know for sure that you are in that space of humility what do you do to remind yourself mm. yeah to me it's um truly i i think that the best tool for me to 
allow humility has been meditation, right? It's to withdraw your essence from any form and to come back to yourself as the center and to see that the center is perfect. And if the center is perfect and that's the source of all, well, shouldn't everything else be perfect too? And that all the forms and all of the things that are spinning around on the wheel is truly just a dance of consciousness. And so why are we here pretending that it's wrong? And so when I withdraw my essence back to myself and I sit with myself, there is no wrongs. So in here, all is perfect. And when I open my eyes and I'm still centered in that, everything else becomes perfect too. Or it is evident, it's self-evident as perfect. And you don't have to make anything, anything. You simply are. And you're practicing being instead of a bunch of doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, Beautiful. I think meditation for anyone listening is the number one, is the number one practice that we can implement if we want humility to bless our lives and to allow humility to free our ourselves and others from our unforgiving grasp of pride. Yeah. And to find our center. You know, I, I, I totally agree in terms of getting back to that center of who we are. Uh, meditation is definitely, definitely an important key to that. And if you think that you can't meditate, I used to be that person too. <laughs> then, then you're—it's exactly why you need to meditate, yeah. so that we can allow those thoughts to leave us and we can go back to our center. You know, Jonathan, you said um, in something that I saw you write about, you said that there was a time in your life when you couldn't—you couldn't actually see people in their eyes. Can you tell me? why that was the case yeah it was <laughs> it was just essentially the fear of shame right it it was my pride of looking imperfect so when i looked people in the eyes i when i feel tired or i felt like i had bad breath or something even when i didn't have it even when it was just i asked my friends do i have bad breath no i couldn't look people in the eyes because i just felt disgusting and i couldn't just peer into their souls and talk to them because I felt so ashamed of who I who I was and it was really just a fear of being seen as that shameful essence it was it was it was the fear of them seeing my shame so it was essentially just my pride right I, I if they were to see that I had bad breath what would it do to me nothing mm -hmm. they would probably call it out and say hey no Hey, your breath stinks. Okay. And then I would feel shameful and then it would be over. And I would allow that shame to express. And there we are. We're still perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. But instead, I made this entire spectacle about it. And it became the topic of my life, right? I couldn't have a dialogue and I couldn't do anything with anyone intimately because... I couldn't look them in the eyes. I, I couldn't be with them. I couldn't because I was with my breath. You see, like mm. I was just. It was like it was almost like a wall that you created between you and the others. Was this story yeah. that you had bad breath when you really didn't have bad breath? Yeah. But it was like, but what about if I did? Yes. What about if I did? Then what? Then people, yeah. what? What are they going to think? Because of when me? someone else has bad breath and I feel it, I judge the shit out of them, right? So that's. I just judged myself on the same premises. So I I didn't want to risk that. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. Is that that's what we do? Is that we're afraid of others judging us the way we judge yep. others? Yep. Yes, all judgment is judgment of self. So when we judge others, we are going to judge ourselves on the exact same, on the exact same premises. Always, we're never going to, we're never going to free ourselves from judgment if we can't free others from it. So that that's that's the my whole breath story there it's it's something that i'm still working on from from time to time when when it comes up and i feel like my breath is i feel like it's it's dry i have dry mouth and i'm like and i'm trying to sit with that i'm trying to center myself whenever i'm like having an intimate discussion with someone and they really move up close and i'm like holy shit now nah, now you're coming oh whoa <laughs> back off there and i'm like yeah yeah. but then i have to i have to center myself and i have to see that if they feel like i have bad breath it will have to be their job to distance themselves if they want to talk to me like this i i can't be the one who constantly sit there and deny our service and our presence with others just because i might have bad breath you know what screw it it's okay yeah and that's just like a metaphor for anything. For you, it's it was bad breath, but for for somebody else, it's carrying extra kilos. For somebody else, it's having a big nose. For somebody else, it's not, you know, not having the job that they need to have or whatever it is. But it's a war that people put up. And like you said, you know, we judge others, and therefore, um, we judge ourselves. And by judging ourselves, we're actually judging others as well. And so. If I could ask you one last question, Jonathan, which is what would you say to that young boy now who was overweight and who felt embarrassed and ashamed and if he's there right there with you right now, what would you say to him? Yeah. I think the truth of this question would be that that young boy still exists within each and every one of us. And if he's overweight or not, I'm going to say just like it is, because it has nothing to do with his form, that he is so lovable and he is huggable and he's worthy of physical contact and he doesn't have to shelter himself because what we hate about ourselves is not necessarily something that everyone else hates. So can you tell him as if you're speaking to him, Jonathan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Allow yourself to breathe. Don't hold all of that in. Just be in the moment with what is and don't worry too much about what people say about you or what you say about yourself and just be who you are and find your group of people that will love you for who you are, not for what you look like. And when the time comes for you to be intimate with someone and to be physical, just trust that you are exactly who you're supposed to be. And your form will always be changing. So 
don't worry about if you look a bit worse today than you did yesterday because it's always going to change and if you can just hold space for yourself and see that you are lovable other people will see it too and if you can just stop judging yourself and others on about different appearances or different faults that you perceive you will free yourself from the burden of pretending to be wrong because you aren't wrong your circumstances are what they are and they're there for a reason and you're not a victim to them you're here to transcend them and it's going to make you so much stronger so have trust in that and carry yourself with with a self-love that can embrace others too because that heart of yours is infinite so let it express don't hold yourself back because you believe that your form is a limitation to you it isn't so just breathe as i said and allow all of those emotions to come through and see yourself as the beautiful boy that you are yeah and that's it i think beautiful oh that's beautiful jonathan it was really really lovely really special and um i know that your inner child heard and felt every sincere word that you said and um yeah that was absolutely beautiful and if there's one last thing that you want to say to people what would it be <clears throat> yeah um i think what i would like to say to people eleni is try to be kinder to people because when we are we open up space and when we open up space we get more divine expressions through in reality and as we all wonder why we're here and why we should keep being here and why we shouldn't just end it right here and now well if you get more divine expressions in this reality you will get your why and as those expressions come through we all get to see the beauty of our majesty and so we get to see the dance of consciousness and we stop pretending that this is some boring structure of rigid forms and we get to see that it's a very elegant and it's uh, incredibly joyful to partake in but that can only happen if we are kind and open to each other and we stop judging each other on every single thing that we perceive as wrong if we can allow humility and forgiveness reality will be so much more rich and full of life and then your question of why will be answered so just be kind and be loving and that's it beautiful thank you so much what a beautiful way to finish this episode jonathan saturnus thank you so much for um, your beautiful, beautiful, kind, 
words and I know that everybody felt the the frequency of those words and the energy that you have so thank you so much for for doing your thing on this earth and really giving giving out your love and your kindness to everybody so thank you so much Jonathan it was a real pleasure to thank you thank you Eleni and honestly all of you was listening you guys are great don't worry about it just be yourself and laugh. That's it. That's it. You're great exactly the way you are. You're perfect exactly the yes. way you are. I love it. Thank you, Eleni. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks for tuning in to The Shame Game. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And we would so love it if you also share it with your friends. Until next time, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We're all in this together and we are all worthy of love and belonging. And also, remember this, you are not your shame.